Welcome to Smart Humans with Slava Rubin, presented by Vincent. In this Alt Investing podcast, Slava talks to amazing minds about their investment journey and finds out what it takes to make it in the markets. And now, here's your host and smart human, Slava Rubin. Hello, and welcome to the next episode of Smart Humans. I'm very excited for today's guest. I've known this person for a long time across multiple companies, most recently here at Vincent. Evan Cohen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So as you might know, we always like to start with a personal story, which is how did you even get into alternative investments? Where did it start? Well, it's, in, it's an interesting story because I, I grew up in, a, in Chicago and the Chicago suburbs in a traditional you know, Midwestern family, working class. My parents both uh, worked full time and we were certainly physically conservative. Uh, we didn't really talk a lot of finance in our family. In fact, like when I was 13 with my bar mitzvah money, I asked my dad if I could buy Apple stock because I loved my iPod. And he flat out rejected me and told me that nobody uses Apple computers, everyone's on PC, and then instructed me to try to buy Starbucks stock instead. Turned out to, I mean, was a fine investment, but, you know, obviously wasn't Apple back in, this is like 2003. But my parents, they were both, they were both salespeople. So they certainly, they were savvy and they knew what a good deal was. My dad sold cosmetics and I remember from an early age, he would take me to, you know, the local Walgreens and CVSs in our county and show me how different stores had different prices based on the demographics and explain to me how like these stores would charge an up, they would upcharge compared to Walmart or Target because of the convenience factor of a store like that. Um, my mom was a realtor, so she she sold real estate when we were younger. She would take us to these vacant lots and talk about you know the property that was being built and how the how many homes were going to be there and how much they would sell for and when they were getting built. She, we would debate what, how much they would go for. So you know we weren't doing investing things as a family. Uh, we were we weren't talking about investing, but we were we were learning about money and we were learning about businesses. And that that really helped me understand a lot about just the fundamentals of how money works. And I would say that that sort of got me into the understanding of alts. And then my dad was an avid collector. So um, growing up, he, he grew up in New York City in the 1960s and 70s. So he loved rock and roll, loved sports, huge, huge Yankees fan, huge Giants fan. And so like in our house, we had a Mickey Mantle signed jersey on the wall. And we had Muhammad Ali's boxing gloves that were signed. And my favorite, a Michael Jordan signed jersey with the entire 96, 97 team, which you know is the greatest team of all time. We were in Chicago. So I love that piece. And my dad would tell me the stories of like how he bought them. And he would say, this is an asset, you know, this is going to go up in value. This is a long-term thing. And very early on, again, learning about how money works and asset investing was, it wasn't investing per se, but it was certainly an educational experience. And it got me, you know, thinking about how I could turn my money into more money. It's so interesting. Why do you think your dad was pro getting the Jordan ball, but anti getting the Apple stock? I think that it's, it's it's just a he it's a fundamentally different viewpoint for people who don't invest. Like I said my dad was a salesperson, very tangible, you know, like he sold cosmetics. We grew up in the we were in the Midwest, so it wasn't like a flashy talking about your stock portfolio, but it was this place where you'd have friends and family over for dinner and you could show them your awesome stuff on the wall. So like I think it was just that was how we showed off what we were interested in. And I, it makes it like no one really talked about stocks and bonds or any of that stuff in our family. It was just cool assets and things that we thought were worth more money in the future. So what was your actual personal first investment into alts? Was it into a collectible? Was it into crypto? Was it into uh, some startup? What was your Evan Cohen's personal first investment? 
So it's it's interesting. I actually didn't make my first investment until I was 22, and I was outside of school. I mean, I I didn't have a ton of cash. I had just graduated from school, and our family accountant offered me the opportunity to invest in this private real estate investment trust, a REIT, for a medical facility in Jacksonville, Florida. And I he allowed me to put five thousand dollars in a pool of other client capital that he was putting in there. So clearly, I wasn't like you know, qualified to invest in this, but he had suggested it and I was interested and I didn't have really any money. So I put money into this, into this REIT and every quarter I would get the dividend back a couple hundred dollars here and there every quarter. And ultimately after four years, we sold that property for two X the money. And I, it was the first time I could, I could see the money compound in my account. And I could also, I was really proud when we sold that asset and it doubled in value. And I, it was the first, it was, it really got the, the, you know, the engine growing in my head of, hey, there's more here that I can do. And I can do this with money without having to do it, you know, all the legwork like my parents did selling stuff. Amazing. So starting with that REIT, can you tell us more about the journey that you've navigated through alternatives from when you were younger to today? Yeah, certainly. So I mean, outside of the real estate investment, I was I was a really I was a really tech forward person, I guess, when I was younger. I I I was really you know, I was one of the early Facebook users, early Twitter. I, this is like when I was in high school and middle school. And I spent a lot of time on a very popular thread called Hacker News, which is, you know, it's it started by it was the Y Combinator group. But this was in like 2008, 2009, when it was really just like, you know, people, developers, coders, interesting people putting up thought pieces. And I spent a lot of time there and I got really excited about the technology space, like the opportunity, like I was really into trying new products and beta testing things. And I would email Facebook message like founders of companies. I was like, this is really cool. You should add this feature, this feature. And I knew I really wanted to work in the space, even though I was just like a kid from the Midwest with no connections to the Valley. It was like very ideological for me to get out there. But what, what ended up happening is like when the, that that second round of technology startups started going public, the Twitters, the Facebooks, the Shopify's, the Dropboxes, I... I threw whatever little cash I had into that because I was really, that's what I was passionate about. And so a lot of those, I still hold a lot of those portfolio investments even today, but that was really like my first, like, you know, conviction investment where I'm like, I've been in the space and I've been following this for years. And I had the little, the chip on my shoulder from my dad telling me not to buy the Apple stock. So I was like, I had a little chip on my shoulder. I had some cash and I was really passionate about these companies. And I, I threw the little cash I had into that stuff. And it's really appreciated and it become the foundational layer of my portfolio. And from there, I just got really confident in the ability to start picking assets and understand and like really deep diving into way the way the businesses worked. I got really excited about venture capital, crowdfunding. And so yeah, I I I just really jumped into it, I guess like full throttle right into the space. And since then I've just been making investments across a, a variety of different asset classes. Let's talk about those. So which asset classes? So for example, like crypto, what's your point of view on crypto? I'm very bullish on crypto. I was, I, I'm not going to call myself super early. I, I, I made my first crypto investment in 2016. So not like on the early, early stage, but I was buying ETH at $7 and Bitcoin at under $2,000. So I would consider, consider myself early and I'm, I'm very bullish on the space. I think the technology is very interesting. In a lot of ways, it parallels what I was seeing on those Hacker News threads back in 2006, 2007, 2008. It was a lot of interesting people who were trying to do something and they weren't doing it. They weren't financially motivated. They were like mission driven. And I think that 
yeah, that, that got me excited into crypto. And in 2016, I had a lot of other friends that were interested in crypto, but didn't really understand how it worked. So I helped them invest into it. And I helped them build out a broader portfolio of assets in the emerging space. And they, it ended up going very well. And they were very happy with the experience. I, it was very, it was very enlightening for me because I, I really got to see for the first time me helping other people invest in something that I feel like I understood more than them. And they really appreciated it. And that was the first time where I was like, maybe I could be a really good, you know, person to work with on an investment team and help people make decisions and manage capital. And then how about like, uh, you mentioned real estate, are you still doing real estate investments uh, before? Uh, yeah, certainly not as much as I, not as much as I used to, because I, I certainly have expanded my portfolio into a broader set of assets. In fact, it, like probably the only alternative asset, and I don't even know if this is considered alternative, but the only alternative asset I don't really hold is it is my own single family home. Like I don't own my own property that I live in. I am still a renter. And the reason is because I, the, the premium of liquidity is, is really important to me. And I, I live in New York City. I live in Manhattan. It's ne- the, the years that I've lived here, it's never felt like a good deal. Remember, I come from the Midwest where it's all value. Everything in Manhattan is very expensive. And I've always felt really blessed to see it when I've seen an opportunity to invest in that I really believed in. I had the cash or capital available to do that. And I've always felt that if I were to buy a property and sink a, a, a portion of my net worth into that, it would not allow me to Built like to do the things I really want to do. So that's the only real estate is like a smaller portion of my portfolio. And I am a little sad and not own my own property, even though I know it's good investment advice to have your own property for a lot of different reasons, tax purposes, etc. How about angel investing or collectibles or I, I actually invest in all of them. <laughs> I've done I, I I've dabbled a little in the angel investing space. I've probably invested in 10 companies. It's not something I'm super excited. Like I thought that I'm super it's not something I'm super deep into, primarily because again, I, I have that premium of liquidity. But I do invest I have I've made a number of angel investments. I do invest in art, but again, I've gone more on the fractional art platform side. Again, premium of liquidity, the availability to get access to that asset without having a major portion of my portfolio. Art pieces are very expensive. Collectibles is actually one of the asset classes that I've been really trying to expand my my portfolio into over the last two years. I've, I've read a lot about it, followed the market. The I feel like the abundance of opportunities is much higher now than it was three or four years ago. And Again, my father taught me all the stuff about memorabilia, you know, about sports collectibles. And I remember I remember a lot of the fundamentals there, and it's really allowed me to get excited about the space and deploy capital there. Great. So let's transition to the market broadly today. You have a lot of viewpoints, having done real estate from before. You're one of the founders of Vincent. You obviously know your crypto. So what do you think of the overall market today? So there's a lot of ways to to slice that question. I the way that I look at the market is I feel like I I feel on one side the most optimistic I've ever been about investors getting access to really exciting opportunities they never could get into before because of the technology and the amount of innovation that's happened over the last decade in the space. On the other side, I have a lot of concern just in the macro market that we sit in today. Look, it's we've had a historically long bull run. We had an unprecedented amount of capital created and pushed into the market over the last two years because of COVID and inflation is certainly a problem. And so, and, and, and most importantly, I think that we've seen a little bit of like of 
of shift in the mentality of investing to momentum investing in the sense that people are so excited about investing in assets that they're not taking the time to do the diligence and the research. They're just, they're, they FOMO invest. We see this, we saw this in the venture market over the last couple of years. We've seen it in, you know, collectibles. We've seen it in real estate where everyone feels like they have to get in now. And I believe that people who act fast and, you know, they're, they're not, they're not giving them. A, they're not being patient, and patience is is really important for any strong investor and any person who's built, deploying a broad set of their portfolio into these assets. So I'm I, I I cut on both ways. I do think that on the technology side and the opportunities, the amount of investors or the amount of platforms available for investors to deploy into is amazing. Like we're over 180 uh, different investment platforms that we work with at Vincent, billions of dollars of investable opportunities. It feels like a new asset class is getting unlocked every day. And there's an unprecedented amount of demand from investors who want these assets. We get emailed every day. Hey, this is so cool. I never thought I could uh, own a piece of a Wayne Gretzky rookie card, or I could own a piece of a Picasso painting. This is what I want. How do I get more of this? So we're really excited about what we're seeing there. And I, I personally very bullish on the long-term the long-term opportunity that alternatives will have for every investor in the country. Great. And then back to the market though, just to just get your point of view, do you think we're at the bottom? Are we not near the bottom? Are, you know, where, what's your timeline? Is this a U-shaped recovery? Is this an L-shaped? I know you're not an economist. You're probably going to say this is an investment advice, but we like to get opinions from all of our guests. Certainly not investment advice. I believe that we're in for a rough 24 months, frankly. I think that the Fed is on a mission right now to bring down, the, just, just, just to, reckon, to bring reckoning to the market so that people get more comfortable with the status quo that money isn't free. And I do believe that like they they understand the actions that they're putting out there and how it's reacting to the markets and they're perfectly comfortable with that because we need to get back to a sense of normalcy. The last 3 years has not been normal. And so I believe it's going to take 24 months for this thing to to sort of play out. There will be a recovery. The the markets are very cyclical, so I'm quite confident that if you have a long horizon which I always say if you're an investor you are investing for at minimum 12 months you should really be thinking like you know 72 months and if you're investing in any shorter period than that you're a trader you're not an investor and so it's a very different mentality when you do that and so I believe in terms of I think we're definitely closer to the bottom than we are to the top we fell a long way from where we were we could go down a little bit more but I certainly feel like where we're sitting right now is very appealing for investors who are interested in potentially deploying into this market. So I've never heard that before, which is 72 months being the line. What's the magical number about 72 months, six years? I I think that the way that I look at it is that the markets themselves are generally five to 10 year cycles. So what you should be thinking about is when you, it's like everything, everything in the world is somewhat correlated, even though there are non-correlated assets and heavily correlated assets. And I believe as an investor, if you're thinking in a timeline less than five years, you really are taking some sort of liquidity premium to your thought process. You're saying, I need to do something with this money in the near term. And if anything longer than that, you're sort of comfortable. The difference between six, seven, eight, nine, and 10 years, it's kind of a wash at that point. You've already said, I'm making this investment and I don't need it tomorrow. I don't need it for any purchase in the, in the, the relative near future. And so 72 months out, you know, that's when you can really start saying, this is a long-term investment in my opinion. And that's when you can say, okay, well, if I'm investing for six years out, I can't, I can't get too sucked into the macro or the narratives that are happening right now. I just have to be focused on the belief that what I'm investing into will appreciate 
and there's something fundamentally behind it that I believe in. Got it. Got it. So let's shift to your latest focus, which Vincent, I mean, why, why start Vincent? So the reason we started the company actually is because myself and my co-founders, we were constantly messaged and hit up from our friends, family, people with colleagues saying, Hey, you seem to know how to invest. I just got my, you know, I just got my annual bonus or I just got a nice payday or a birthday gift. And I want to put this money to work. Can I pick your brain for 30 minutes? And we were each independently doing these one-off calls, probably three or four a month. And what we realized is that after having that call with your friend or your family member, there was no place to send them to start doing the work that has to happen after that call. I could tell you all day, here's real estate investments that are interesting. Here's how I look at uh, seed investing or venture investing. Here's how I look at the crypto market. But we get off the call and be like, so is there anything else I can do? And be like, you could go to Google. There wasn't really a place to send people. So we we sort of ideated on this concept of what if there was a resource that that made these assets accessible and created a place where investors could understand the market, could discover investment opportunities, and ultimately deploy capital. And we realized there was a gap in the market and we saw the momentum from the individual side of these asset classes growing. And so we we created Vincent to be that on-ramp for investors looking to, you know, build a portfolio and alternative assets. And Who's who's using Vincent? I mean, why is what's out there already not enough? I think the the big question that we try to solve, and this is like the reality of the of the market, is nobody wakes up in the morning, looks at their bank account, says they have they see twenty five thousand dollars in there, and says, you know, I really got to put this into a commercial real estate project in Charlotte tomorrow. Like nobody wakes up with that problem. They actually wake up in the morning and say, oh, I got twenty five thousand dollars. Like, what should I do with that? And there's a there's a very binary decision making process that we believe that exists. Like you wake up in the morning and you're like, okay, twenty five thousand dollars. You're either gonna put I'm either gonna put that into my retirement account, my four hundred one k. I'm going to put it into the stock market, you know, my Tesla stock, Apple, Microsoft, whatever, or I'm gonna put it into something else. And there is there was no place for that something else in the market. There was just you know you knew, you had your financial advisors who could tell you how to build your retirement account. There are you know obviously you know plenty of places that you can learn to trade stocks and buy equities and CNBC and Bloomberg where you could read about that. But there was but we believe that fundamentally a lot of people were making that decision that saying hey I don't I'm not putting this in my retirement account I'm not putting this into my my equities portfolio I want to put it into something else and we wanted to build that place for investors so we're servicing investors who you know are comfortable with where they sit in their current financial situation they have you know they might have a retirement account they have some capital saved up and they're looking to expand their portfolio for a little bit more alpha and a little bit more risk and so that's where we sort of sit on the spectrum of the type of investor but we do want to service retail investors you know not the ultra high high net worth billionaires but we do want to service people with you know 50 100 200,000 dollars that might be dipping their toe into this market because you got to start somewhere and we think we're the starting place for that got it and is this all self service so it has been self-service up to today, but we're excitedly, we're about to announce our first managed product, which will allow investors to get professionally managed exposure to these asset classes without having to do all the legwork themselves. So what, what does that mean exactly? So what is that managed product? Yeah. So, so we call it Vault. Um, we're super excited to, to bring it to market. It's actually the most requested feature on Vincent. So today, investor or historically, investors would come to Vincent's site and they would search for an asset class like real estate or collectibles, and they would see hundreds of options they could invest into. And the number one requested you know, message that we would get to our support team is, hey, can I just give Vincent $10,000 to invest on my behalf? And so it became very apparent that 
there was a lot of demand from the from the investor side to get access to these assets. But because alternatives are the markets are historically opaque, there isn't like actively trading and there isn't a ton of media covering them. It's challenging for investors to get the confidence to say, you know what, I'm going to pick this art painting versus that art painting or this real estate project versus that real estate project. And so on Vincent, we, we just kept getting this feedback that, hey, I love all the stuff. I want to deploy capital, but I, I just want to, can I give it to you to do it for me? So Vault is that first experience that where an investor can give us their capital and say, look, I want real estate. I want crypto. I want private, uh, you know, private credit. I want collectibles. Here's my $15,000. Show me, build me a portfolio and teach me what's happening. And so now with, with Vault, you can effectively give us your capital and we will build you a custom bespoke portfolio of alternative assets over six months. And in six months from now, you'll, you'll wake up with a really awesome portfolio of interesting assets. Super interesting. And why did you feel that creating that was necessary as opposed to keeping the self-service? You know, we looked at the, we look at the traditional markets and we think that alternatives is taking a very, it's a, a relatively similar path, right? You know, there were brokerages and then there were wealth managers. And now in, in, with technology, we've seen a lot of investors start to, you know, put money into Robinhood and their own trading accounts and things like that. But that's always been a very small portion of the overall market. The majority of capital in the traditional equity space is managed. It's managed by wealth advisors. It's managed by robo-advisors. It's managed by ETFs. And in the, in the alternative space, there was never anything like that. There's always been self-service. You got to pick your own assets. You got to choose your own destiny. And we, we recognized that there was a big gap there, specifically because of on Vincent, we see that data. We see, you know, hundreds of thousands of people looking for assets, but the number of people deploying is relatively small compared to that. And we knew that that demand was there. And so with Vault, we think that it unlocks the next million, two million, three million investors into this market because we, th- we, we think that we're confident that the investors are there, but they don't have the confidence to deploy it themselves, but they want to put they want to have professional management oversee it. And so we built this product to address what we believe is a massive market need and something that could greatly expand the total addressable market for this entire ecosystem for alternative assets. Got it. So is a vault something that already exists or you're just launching it today? So Vault exists. We actually did our, our first product, Vault. In, it was a private product in Q4 of last year. We had 180 investors. We sold out every slot within a couple of days. And investor feedback has been through the roof. In fact, like the signal has been even hotter than we could have even expected. So we, we, we spent the last four months figuring out, hey, we've got something here. Investors love it. NPS is like 61. How do we build a scalable version of this product? And so tomorrow is the first day or today, I guess today is the first day we're announcing that, you know, we're taking it. You can join the waitlist to be on the first version of all that gets you access to these assets. So to date, our first product has been live. We've deployed millions of dollars. We hold over 50 assets. Investors are loving it. And we can't wait to, you know, open and unlock this product for the next generation of investors who want to continue to expand their portfolio. So those uh, 50 assets, what are some examples of those? So the portfolio for Vault is traditionally six asset classes. We have pre-IPO stock, we have crypto, we have collectibles, we have art and NFTs, we have real estate, and we have private credit. 
And the goal of this portfolio is relatively broad diversification. So no asset class has more than 25% of the entire portfolio. In fact, it's relatively balanced between 20 and 10%, depending on the asset class. We specifically built Vault to be 75% appreciating assets and 25% yield-bearing assets because, as you know, the alternatives market certainly has a higher risk-reward ratio than you know traditional markets. And so we wanted to make sure that we had some downside protection in the event that, you know, for example, we're experiencing today. You can be, there could be a market correction. And sometimes asset prices will go down and you just got to be, you got to have both sides of the coin prepared for any sort of market situation. So that's how the portfolio is designed today. And some of the assets, you know, for, for, for pre-IPO, we hold companies like Flexport and Sneak. In the collectible space, we hold a, a prime Babe Ruth card. We hold uh, a pair of Michael Jordan's original rookie sneakers, one of a few pairs signed by him. We have a, we have a wine portfolio of bespoke highly valued wines. And we also are part of a wine arbitrage fund. In the art space, we're a part of a, a unique portfolio of you know contemporary street artists. In crypto, we have many certain many different strategies. Uh, we hold over 77 different crypto assets. So investors get a really broad exposure to the crypto ecosystem. And yeah, real estate, and we have commercial and residential and real estate debt and private credit. We're in CLOs. It's just a very broad portfolio. And the whole the whole idea here is, you know, with a $15,000 check, you're getting exposure to premium assets that historically you would have to put in a $50,000 to $100,000 check just to get into one of them. But now with us, you can give us your capital and we're going to give you a slice of that in a managed way. Interesting. And are all the investors looking to get exposure to all those assets or are they looking to just get pieces of you know, just some of the assets, but not the others? It's a good question. It's actually one of the big pieces of feedback that we've gotten. Historically, investors in Vault typically have exposure or expertise in one of the asset classes, maybe two. So you might be a professional real estate investor or a crypto investor or a venture investor. And so you're coming to Vault saying, you know, I, I already have this slice of exposure in my portfolio. I want the other stuff. Today, Vault is one size fits all, you know, Every investor in the program gets the exact same portfolio, but we're actually innovating and building out a new product or an, an addition. We're building out a feature for that product in the future that we hope to launch early next year, which will allow investors to customize their baskets or their portfolios and only get exposure to things they really want managed exposure to so that they can continue to do their you know self-service investing in the asset classes that they feel more confident in. And then you mentioned that Vault has already existed. So how is it performing? It's going quite well, considering all things considered in the market downturn. And up to Q1, which is when we last marked the portfolio, we were actually up 1% compared to the overall market. So we're pretty excited about, you know, compared to the rest of the market, things are going well. I would say that we are a long and fun though. You know, we're thinking this is a three-year fund with, you know, maybe up to five years with some assets. So as I said earlier, it's like we're, we're thinking long-term and we're excited about the entry prices we got on most of our assets. So for us, it's just, we were, we're excited. We've deployed into this market and we're looking forward to watching the returns come through over the next three to five years. You mentioned it's a three-year fund. I mean, that's not very normal. Typically these funds are longer lockup periods. So how are you getting into all these asset classes and maintaining that short time period of lockup? It's, it's, we think of it as a feature. It's actually, you know, up, again, going back to our liquidity premium structure, you know, a lot of investors who are investing into alternatives for the first time, one of the big challenges for them is not only the, the large check sizes required to deploy into these assets, but also the law, the, the lockups, right? I, I want to invest in venture, but I can't wait 10 years or I, I want to invest in art, but this is a long hold period for me. And I don't know when liquidity is coming. And for a lot of investors investing in vault, like, 
they're these are not the ultra ultra high net worth individuals where they have tons of cash sitting around. So like for them, they might be putting a, a, a relatively larger si- portion of their portfolio, maybe five seven percent of their entire net worth into something like this. So what I th- so for us, we wanted to make sure that Vault had a relatively lean time period. You know, we were aiming for not forever. That was really our like our, our our focus. And so we are going for three years. And we like the target timetable for every asset that we invest into is three years. When we at our when we review an investment committee investment in the investment committee, we always say, well look, do we believe that this fun, this asset or this investment fits our time horizon? And will we be able to get liquidity? And so that is a very important focus for us. And we are choosing it, it, it helps us choose and narrow down the selection of which assets we'd want in the portfolio because it's important for our investors to have an opportunity for liquidity. We do believe five years is like the oper- like three years is the target fund life. We can go all the way to five years depending on markets. We always want to make sure that we're, you know, we're investing on our, our investors' behalf. So we want to make sure that we're exiting them at an opportune time. We're not you know, taking the loss just because we have the mandate to sell. So for us, we do want to give ourselves some breathing room to play out the market dynamics. But yeah, we're aiming for a relatively shorter period of time, which we think is unique in the market and something that will, again, unlock more investors getting exposure to this in their portfolios because the other the, the, the status quo today is just so inhibiting for them to get access to it. The last six months, a lot of people have seen their net worth shrink as different assets have gone down in price. What have you seen on Vincent or with Vault in terms of investor demand or where people are shifting their allocation of resources or what they're looking for? So I I said this earlier, but I think one of the things that we've seen in the last three years that has been concerning to me is the amount of what I call FOMO investing. People people really throwing money into stuff. Just to jump in, that means fear of missing out for those. Fear of missing out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So people investing because other people are investing because they feel like they don't want to miss the boat and they're, they're, they're putting money into assets that they may not understand or deals they may not really trust just because they, they know that they don't want to miss out on the next big thing. And so that has created a massive rush of people who are interested in investing over the last couple of years. But I think now, you know, with the way that the correct, the market has turned and the correction that we've experienced, We've seen investors be much more cautious, which is actually great because it means that investors are taking their time, they're exercising patience, they're doing more research and diligence. And what I believe that's doing is it's actually fleshing out the bad investments and it's allowing the quality to come to the top of this Vincent search results. It's allowing quality investment managers to come out of like to really prove themselves while a lot of the people that were there that were probably raising money in the last three years probably didn't deserve to. And for Vault particularly, it's been very interesting because you know, we've seen actually more interested investors recognizing that professional management is valuable, right? But you know, there's always there's this funny saying that people say that like it, you know, if a monkey threw darts at the at the at the wall, they could probably outperform the S and P in the last five years because everything went up. And I think a lot of investors felt that way, and they they kind of had this false sense of confidence where they're like, oh man, I'm so smart. I invested in you know Peloton, and it went up eight hundred percent, and it's been amazing. And now we're seeing that cyclical turn where investors are experiencing reality and recognizing that there is value to having managed exposure. Because remember, a lot of the managers during the meme stock era were saying, this is crazy. Like this shouldn't, these valuations are way too high. Like this is all going to come down. And, you know, they had to, you know, they had to, they had to deal with that for a couple of years while this stocks kept going up and up and up. But now they're all sitting there saying, look, 
This is what happens. We've been around long enough to see these markets turn. And I think it will, it's bringing in a bit more, a bit more of an understanding and appreciation for asset managers who, you know, are, are thinking more long-term, thinking more downside protection, thinking more making your clients happy versus people just trying to make a quick buck. Got it. So it's super interesting about Vault. A lot of the listeners try to get to be as smart as you or know as much as you. If you could share a little bit into the world of Evan, what do you like to read? What do you like to watch? What do you like to listen to? Anything that helps to tailor your point of view on alts or... So I've always been really very conscious of making sure that whatever information I'm reading is a very neutral bias. And I do read, I read bias stuff all the time, but I try to make sure that whatever I'm reading has both sides. In fact, early on in my career, I worked at Al Jazeera, which is probably one of the most neutral media organizations out there because they don't have to rely on advertising because they're funded by the Qatari government. So, you know, I've always been very aware of the way that things can be spun. And I've always been very conscious of trying trying to make sure that I he- listen to contrarians, I listen to all all sides of an argument and try to come up with my own thesis and be an independent thinker. I also, I highly recommend, I mean, Hacker News is a place where I got my start. It's not, it's, it's far and away not what it used to be, but it's still a great place if you're trying to learn from, you know, some of the more interesting people that are doing things not for financial means, but they're just trying to build really cool products and innovate. I also have gotten very into podcasts lately. I, I do really appreciate the All In podcast, which is you know Jason Calacanis, David Sachs, Chamath, and David Freeberg. I, it's I believe it's it goes back to my concept of you know having a neutral opinion. You've got people on both sides of the aisle having a real conversation with real facts. I think that's important. Um, so I'm really into that that podcast. I try to I try to read more current events and more biographies. I, I really do appreciate learning about like from history. Those they, the I truthfully believe in the saying: those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. So like learning from great entrepreneurs and hearing their experiences is a great way to not make those mistakes. Uh, so I, I'm really a big fan of that as well. All right. Any uh, biography that you read recently that you want to share? So a recent biography, I, I recently read a book by Bill Gates that I highly recommend. It's called The Rise and Fall of American Growth. It's, it's really, it's, it's kind of like a boring economics book, but it's insanely interesting and impactful. It just tells you the statistics like from past and present and when and where the first movie theater, like when, when did air conditioning start, like just interesting tidbits of like human society that you know, fostered an entire revolution of the way that we live our lives. So I thought the book was really interesting and I highly recommend it for those who are are looking for a good statistical read. Nice. And then the last question that we always have to ask and, you know, to put you on the spot, what would be one investment, a tangible real investment that you would recommend, again, not financial advice, that three years from now, we could have you back on the show and we could see how it performed? So you know, Slava, that three years is a little bit earlier in my trajectory of the way I think about investing. And I like the simple answer to me is always Bitcoin because I think fundamentally Bitcoin just has a lot of upside in the near and long term, just from a scarcity perspective and a technology perspective. But I think that's a cheat code. So I'm not going to use that as my example. If you were sitting here investing right now in the market, I think that there are some amazing public equity companies that have been destroyed, that make tons of revenue, have great 
moats of their business, like locked in customers. I'm looking at companies, you know, like like Salesforce, companies like Snowflake, that I think, you know, just because of the correlation in the momentum trading that the market has experienced over the last six months, you can get those companies at a really good value. One thing I always I think about whenever I make an investment into a public company is the, the construction of a monopoly, right? Does the does the company itself have monopoly potential? And when you look at these big SaaS businesses that have these multi-year contracts like Salesforce, for example, I just I find it very challenging for me to imagine a world where they don't they get where they get smaller even when competitors come in because salesforce is also they acquire so many businesses they they have their mark benioff is perfectly open acquiring companies he thinks are competitors that can be or complementary businesses so you know you think of a really well run business with a ton of like a ton of value growth revenue and a really smart savvy founder leader who gets the market that's I, i'm a pre, i'm a big bet on salesforce at this stage All right. Well, thank you very much for the conversation, Evan. This has been a great journey. It started with your father stopping you from buying Apple stock, which probably would have 100x by today, but you didn't get to do it, which then got you into Ethereum under $7, which seems like a good idea. (laughs) You try to hold for more than 72 months. You shared with us the announcement of Vault, which sounds exciting, the diversified alts fund. You recommended Balanced News and worked at Al Jazeera recommend Bill Gates. And of course, it seems like you're long sales for us. So we'll have you back for that. Thank you very much, Evan, for joining the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Slava. Appreciate it. Smart Humans with Slava Rubin is a podcast brought to you by the team at Vincent. Any data, text, or other content in this podcast is provided as general market information and not as investment advice. Past performance is not necessarily an indicator of future results. For more information on alternative investing, check out Vincent at www.withvincent.com.